Hey everybody, super excited to share this interview with you. I stumbled on Barry Maguire years ago when I first started researching real estate investing. His podcast, Tales from the Trenches, was one of the first real estate podcasts I found online, and I think I listened to every episode over the next two days. Years later, I attended one of his Agreement for Sale courses in Edmonton, and it completely changed our business. By far the best course I've ever been to. Fast forward to now, Gabby and I are now fortunate enough to call them our friends. We sat down with Barry and Donna McGuire to talk about growing your business with your spouse. And I couldn't think of (laughs) better role models for that. (laughs) We also talked about their expertise, real estate law and creative real estate strategies. Agreement for sales, lease options, assignments, options, wholesaling, joint ventures. We, We covered them all in this interview. Without any more delay, here it is. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> I'm so happy I finally got you on. Us too. We were waiting. We were going, what, why does he never want to interview us? Yeah. Look, we don't, we don't, right? Yeah, we'd be a good interview. I, I thought, that's what I was thinking, yeah. So. I wanted it at a certain level and standard before I got you guys on. Yeah. I didn't want to bring you on early when it sucked. Not to say that the other episode sucked. <laughs> I had a lot of great guests, but that was that was. But my, you sucked. Is that what you? I sucked. <laughs> it's, it's what it meant, and I wanted to get it to a point where I felt comfortable enough to have you guys on. Yeah, and and this is really exciting for me because when I was first starting out, I had a lot of trouble like finding good quality investing information online, and I went from like one biased article to the next, and then like I stumbled on Barry's podcast, "Tales in the Trenches." And like Gabby, if you remember, I think I I remember I, driving around in the truck and Wayne like force feeding it to me. It's <laughs> like episode after episode after episode. I listened to them all, I think in like two days, and like I put it on a jump drive and I'm like, Gabby, listen to these. Because <laughs> this is what, like when when we were first starting out, all you know is like, okay, I want to have a rental house, I want it paid off in 30 years. That was the mindset. And I started listening to other stuff. I'm like, wow, there's so many cool things. And of course most of your, your tales are, are crazy stories that'll never happen. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Except they do. Why? They all happen. Come on. <laughs> well, but you know, I, to, I love them play. because, because when, when you hear them, you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in place. So that never happens. And I was, I was able to think on a deeper level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously um, then we start seeing it rain and uh, we start seeing you there. And then we took the first AFS course. So this is kind of a, a bit of a dream come true. Uh, a bit of a fanboy, Barry. But now we've gotten <laughs> to know each other, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but you know the thing of it is, the thing of it is, Wayne, is you and you and Gabby have um, have taken to this whole notion of uh, of real estate and investing. I mean, it just it just suits you, and and so yeah, you have to force feed Gabby, and you're lucky you're still married. You know, you got to have your spouse aligned, and force feeding them sometimes gets them going in the other direction. But it didn't for you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so now you're so far along the, uh, along the line that from, I think from my perspective and from Donna's perspective, you've built your own um, collective persona and you do stuff and, and, you know, fanboy or not, I think we're far more equal than we were at the beginning. <laughs> well, thank you. Nice come. Yeah. Come <laughs> <laughs> well, before I keep rambling on about that, uh, why don't you both introduce yourselves and who you are? All right. Um, shall I start? Since I'm the 
the senior. <laughs> Seniors first. Senior person. Uh, so I'm Barry McGuire. I'm um, uh, an Alberta-born, Edmonton-raised uh, lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 45 years. I specialize in uh, in real estate and particularly in uh, in creative investment style real estate, which I absolutely love doing. I teach a series of what we call focus workshops. So they're one day or two days on various creative real estate strategies. Um, I play hockey a couple of times a week. I garden, I make jam, and I have to say I'm enjoying the practice of law in my life more now than I have ever in my whole life, and that's a really good thing to say. Amazing. And I'm Donna, and I'm married to Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're cutting yourself yeah. short. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to talk about that as we go through as we go through uh, today, I thought about uh, I thought about that in the beginning uh, when we met, and Donna was she was married to Barry. She didn't have really a totally independent persona, and, and that, I was a baby. There, we should add that. I was, oh, okay, we'll have to give you credit for that. Donna was twenty three when we met. Yeah, I was a, a tiny bit older. <laughs> still and, is actually still a tiny bit older. <laughs> But that's uh, something as we go through, I want to just make sure we don't forget talking about how we develop as we, as we roll through our lives and, and the things we do. Yeah, for sure. So you're a real estate lawyer in Edmonton. How did you both come to be known as the creative real estate experts? How did that all happen? Well, you know, and so that we, we can leap forward. So this was how long ago, Donna? 10 years ago that we started oh, no. doing focus workshops? Uh, with Philip this is, McKernan. This is year 12. Year 12. Yeah. Year 12. So I've been a lawyer for 45 years, but it's, you know, at year 12, we started doing the creative side of things. Okay. And that, um, you know, that really came out of my specialty in, in um, creative real estate and investing and seeing that I could never... I could never teach people enough or have enough time with them or say enough at a rain meeting or get into things deeply enough to feel that I was really teaching people what was going on in a particular, in a particular area. You know, you hit the high spots, you help them through a deal, you solve a problem or two, but in terms of the subtleties and the depth of a particular situation or, or strategy, none of that was visible to anybody because it's because it's all in my brain and it comes out when needed mm -hmm. right so right. that was I, was I was feeling the mm, not the lack or the pressure i was i was feeling the need to be able to say more and um when philip mckernan who you folks have at least met on video mm -hmm. uh showed up from ireland about 15 years ago maybe a little less than that uh, Philip was a, you know, was and is an engaging, smart kind of guy who really understood uh, the human dynamic and how people fit together and how you should explain things. And and I talked to him and I said, Philip, we should we should do a focus workshop together on the very basics of real estate. I think we called it getting started. 
Was it? No, what did we call it? No, that was joint ventures. Was it joint ventures? Joint ventures. I guess we did a joint venture one to start with. <laughs> and I talked about the, the legal side of joint venturing and Philip talked about the, about the personal and negotiating side of joint venture. So it was a full day event. We sort of did half a day in our specialty and it was very well received. And, and that was kind of the start of it. So with that, we then moved on to numerous other focus workshops like getting started and AFS and rent to own and RCP, the rapid cash program. So it, yeah, it came from wanting to spit more out of my brain than I was able to do just on a file. Right on. I have to add to that if I sure. may. We had a lot of people coming from other areas teaching uh, creative real estate and leaving lots of gaps. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest being country specific Canadian content. Right. So Barry was uh, trying to avoid all these investors becoming tales from the trenches, right. uh, stars, and trying to help all these people on an individual basis. And so we, we saw a real spot where the investors needed that kind of help from someone who's been a lawyer for, you know, decades and decades. Hmm. And that, that, and that was, that was uh, Ron Legrand, Ron Legrand, our favorite U.S. guru. And Ron is a, he's a great guy. He's a really interesting guy. He would, he would come along and, and do his seminars and I would get up on the stage. And my job was to kind of keep a rope around him so that, you know, people didn't go away believing Ron when he said, listen, don't worry about it. The paperwork I've given you today is good in all 50 states, 10 Canadian provinces and the territories. Don't worry about the paperwork. Mm. which, I mean, it's just not <clears throat> true, but the, the important point was he had great ideas and, and great ways of negotiating, and it, it just needed to be tailored for the jurisdiction and, and calmed down a bit for, you know, for Canada and for Alberta. And so that was always fun working with Ron. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Did yeah, you hear what sure. she said? Mm -hmm. mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what attracted me to your courses initially was because, creative strategies like this, like a, a majority of the questions you receive at your courses are all legal based. What if they do this? What if they do this? So having the perspective of a lawyer to be able to give you that certainty gave me the certainty and able to go forward and do those unconventional mm -hmm. um, strategies, strategies that not many people know about. And that's, that's what I really liked about it. And obviously that's why you guys have been so successful, I think. It struck a chord somehow, yeah. you know, the what we do and the how we do it has has uh, struck a chord with with folks. It's uh, it's been a great ride and it's it continues to grow and continues to be in demand. And we really enjoy doing those courses. They're great. Yeah, they're fun. Mm -hmm. And like anyone you talk to anything creative based it's always you got to go talk to Barry, you got to go to one of Barry's courses. So you guys have built up that brand and that reputation of being the people that you can trust uh, when it when it comes to strategies like that. And I 100% agree. Yeah, that's, that's worked that's out well. Great. And and so sorry, I, I I jumped ahead and we started talking about the creative real estate and and you know you that expertise, but I kind of want to jump back because you know Donna kind of cut in a couple times there and just kind of corrected you. And you know, I want to kind of touch on your relationship together because obviously Donna supports you and you support Donna. It's almost as if you guys just kind of are, are perfect for each other. And, and you kind of complete each other. And I, and I know firsthand from my relationship with Gabby, 
I have a lot of flaws and Gabby fills in because that's, that's her expertise. That's, that's her things that she's good at. So how did that kind of play a role early on when you guys were first starting out? Like, how did you decide that you guys wanted to be real estate investors? Obviously you were a lawyer, but like, when did real estate investing kind of come into play? And when did this, um, when did you guys start, you know, growing it together as a couple? Wow. Right away. Right away. Yeah. The growing together as a couple started fast in our relationship. That part was good, but the, the real estate investing side, I've been doing that for, for a long, long, long time. I did that started when I was in law school. Well, really? And then as I, as I helped various investors uh, with their, with their investments, there was often an opportunity for me to invest. So I wasn't really pursuing it as a strategy, it was kind of an offshoot of knowing people who would say, okay, well, we're selling this 64 unit project and we've sold 61 of the 64 buried. Do you want the last three doors? Mm -hmm. uh, sure, why not? And, and so it, it kind of started out like that and then, and then it, built, it built nicely. So we were just, you know, we were just, you know, running along with our real estate investments and something would pop up and, and we would buy it Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, on the, on the relationship side, Donna got more involved in, in real estate, got involved in the management side, uh, got involved later on in the analytical side and in the, you know, the planning for what we were going to do with real estate. So that just grew slowly. I think, is that how you remember it or am I misremembering? Well, I, I started more on the legal side with Barry, um, helping out. I, I'm a good fill in the gaps kind of person. And so <clears throat> he had a couple of gaps. So, <laughs> and then once we started the focus series, um, yeah, I jumped in with both feet on that because I had a vision for how, how we could take his knowledge and, and parse it out in manageable pieces for other investors. And, and what was that vision? Like, if you don't mind sharing, like, like, how did you come to that? Um, well, probably over a glass of wine. <laughs> or three. Yeah. Um, Barry and I are, are, are really big brainstormers. We, we love to just, what if we did this? What, what would happen? How would this look? And always the underlying is the win-win. Mm -hmm. and support and the um, take care of people thing. But, but I think um, I, I'm going back to our first workshop that we did with, with Philip. So I, I, I had an itch about what I knew and what wasn't getting told. And that first workshop kind of scratched the itch. And I think, I mean, that was the start to tell us that uh, this was a way that we could uh, help people out and, and, provide more knowledge and, and really improve people's ability to successfully invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really started back with Philip and we immediately saw the possibilities. I mean, after we finished that first day, was that in Calgary? Did we do it in Calgary? The first one? I remember being in that room kind of disorganized, mm -hmm. not knowing what you're doing. You're, you know, you're, you're trying to get it going, but um, you know how it is, Wayne, you were saying that, as you, as you got started on this, I mean, we're all rookies when we get started at whatever mm -hmm. it is we're trying to do. That first focus workshop was a piece of poop compared to the ones that 
that we do now. I mean, because <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. You know, you, right. you have some sniff and you go in and you try and you move it along. But at the end of it, when we did our, uh, our review sheets, we got people to fill out the review sheets. How did we do? Um, we got very good reviews and, and people took the time to say what they liked about the course. And it was, it was very complimentary. So we're mm -hmm. kind of kicking ourselves and going, well, that didn't go very well. Boy, we stumbled here. That was this and this was that. Then you read the reviews and you go, oh, oh, okay, well. And so then you can say, all right, next time you debrief it, how did it go? What could we do better? How would we improve this? And so that, that really got it going. One successful focus workshop uh, was enough to say, yeah, we like this and people like it. And so what's next? We got a thing here. Let's yeah, let's. This is gonna work. <laughs> so how did it progress? How did it progress and continue on? The first one was joint ventures. Where did you guys go from there? Got a thing from there. Deal ready documents. That's Deal right. Documents. And that was one of my early purchases. <clears throat> yeah. Way back when, Barry didn't believe that he could teach anything but the specific legal side of it. So that was the legal documents, and. As we were bringing in the focus team and, and other experts that could share and expand, that's where it became, instead of just uh, the documents, it became the whole, the whole inclusive. Well, I think what we discovered as we did uh, deal-ready documents, DRD as we called it, is that um, we're naturally teaching by stories. I like to tell stories, and I might be talking about a joint venture agreement or a um, an agreement for sale document. But when you talk about just the document, it seemed logical and easy to fill in the teaching with stories. And then as soon as I realized we could tell stories, then I wasn't afraid of kind of moving it up a level and having it be a much more dynamic, uh, multifaceted presentation instead of Barry saying, okay, this is a transfer of land. This is a statement of adjustments. This is a blah, 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 which is pretty, you know, pretty dull and boring. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, to some extent for what we do and for what you do, it's, it's entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a show. It's, it's taking a subject that we're passionately interested in all of us and then putting it together and packaging it in a way that will be interested to people who, who, uh, who are our friends and participants and, and students so they don't, you know, snore and get bored and, but it is, you know, it is kind of entertainment in a show. And now we're much more comfortable with putting on an event that can keep people um, engaged. engaged through a whole day to the point where you're done at five o'clock and then people stay for another two hours to uh, firstly answer uh, everyone's questions and then answer all your questions, Wayne. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of Wayne's questions. But that's important what you said about at the progression of it. And like, I can see how important that truly is because starting with the documents, but then being able to add in the stories of what people have gone through. Like when you're talking about creative real estate, no deal is ever exactly the same. It is like, there's so many different aspects to each of it. So to hear those stories and how, you can bring it all together using the same documents. So for me, that was so important when, we, when Wayne and I started doing the creative real estate because we were equipped with all those documents that you talked about that you first brought in. And so it's like, okay, we have this situation. This is how we think it can work. 
how do we do, like, what do we do now? And then you can open the book of the documents and be like, okay, I have examples, I can fill it out. This is how I could differ. And we were equipped with everything. Do you so, remember the first time we did that? Yeah, it was so scary. But then I opened that book and it's like, oh, okay. I have I, examples to refer to. I, I was bored and I responded to a bunch of comfrey uh, listings. And I went to a house that night and it was like 6.30 and I came home like, okay, so they're interested. So we got to go find that binder. Uh, <laughs> and that night for two hours, we're like just flipping through the pages, trying to figure out how to put an offer together, how, how to fill, uh, fill up the seller financing schedule. And You know, it was, it's so I funny. Think, People mocked us for the five pound binder that we gave out. But the thing is, you're going to be covered, right? You're going to get the energy and the excitement and the ideas from the live and know that you're you're protected when you get home and you've got everything you need. That binder's got your back. <laughs> we, we don't use it as much anymore, but those first two years, yeah, we, we used the heck out of it. Yeah. And it, it was like came in very handy. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad you touched on, um, you know, keeping people engaged too, because that was one other thing that, you know, some people have reached out to me before your course and said like, oh man, it's like, a, uh, no offense, but a lawyer. <laughs> no <laughs> offense, but. No. Yeah. <laughs> there is not one tired set of eyes or one yawn in any of the courses of yours that I've been to. I've never seen anyone yawn. Yeah, we're very engaged. After lunch, you get that lunch drunk where you're just kind of sitting back and your eyes start rolling. No one, no one, everyone's engaged because like you said, there's so many cool stories and, and examples and, and uh, role playing and stuff like that. And you just see people in the back of them like, they did what? They structured this? They had to put a deal together like this with this and this? And they got this? It's all Why would they yeah. do that? Well, when, when, I'm, uh, when I'm at the front of the room, um, I, I watch for the, for the yawn and the, and the people going to sleep. And because if, if that's happening, then, you know, you're not, <laughs> you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So uh, you're right. There is very little of that in our focus workshops, which I'm, that's great. I mean, it must mm -hmm. mean we're engaging people and providing really interesting stuff. Otherwise people will go to sleep for sure. We did have one. <laughs> we did have one guy. Go one? To sleep. Oh, okay. His, well. He didn't want to come. His wife made him come. Oh. <laughs> And he literally slept at the table. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that. He was kind of like this. <laughs> it was so distracting. He, he didn't even mind. But, it, you know, as we're talking about this, I, I want to go back a little bit, if you don't mind, to the, mm -hmm. the complementary part of, of the relationship and, and mm -hmm. how, that, how that grew. So um, you said, Wayne, and I think it's must be true for, for successful couples, that you and Gabby complement each other. You each have you're each better at various aspects of what you do than the other person. And, and so you complement each other and fill in the gaps. And I think, I, th I think that it must be like that for, for successful couples, successful relationships. If you're both the same in all, in all aspects of, of what you do, unless you're absolute geniuses and everyone's absolutely hundred percent at everything, then, yeah. then you're going to miss things. Yeah. So, um, so you have to complement each other, but part of uh, successful complementing is to get rid of ego. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to get rid of your ego um, and realize that that your partner is better at you than in certain aspects than than you are, mm -hmm. and and not kind of go well huh? because 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 ego is a big thing, uh, and 
I think that's taken a bit of time to develop. I think Donna's much better at it than I am. I'm maybe a little more ego driven, but now um, we're quite comfortable realizing that each of us has our own strengths. And when you realize that, and you've decided that an aspect of what you're doing is in the other person's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. another, I think, big success factor is to not second guess what you've left, what you've said is your partner's um, partner's thing to do, what they're good at and what they're in charge of. If they're then taking and doing those things and putting them in place, you can't be looking over their shoulder and pick, picking away at, mm-hmm. at what they've done. What it doesn't mean you can't discuss things, doesn't mean you can't change things, but if you've left it to the other person, then leave it to the other person. Mm-hmm. That's a great point because that's something that we, it took us a little time, a little bit of time to get used to as well. Um, being able to pass things off to each other and just being able to trust each other, trust that it's being done because in, in this line of work, and especially when you're doing creative deals, there's so many moving pieces and one piece falls over, it gets missed. It could, you know, a deal could fall through and we're the same way. We built up this level of trust where she passed things off to me. I passed things off to her and we just know that it's being done. Yeah. We actually, we just had this conversation yesterday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about how far we've come and being able to do that and to trust that the others just got it handled and yeah. those types of things. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just be in the other room like, honey, did you ever file that caveat last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I just never followed up. <laughs> but, um, and, and, the relationship is the relationship and, and life is, is what this podcast is all about is because I don't, I've talked to many people, um, investors and with families and, and couples. And I don't think anyone's told me that there's such thing as a work-life balance. I think it has to be an integration. Your life has to be around your business. Um, otherwise it won't work. And it takes a really strong couple who understands that uh, to, to, to build a life around it. And obviously you guys are a terrific example. And I've talked to so many people that say that we did, we would love our relationship to be more like Barry and Donna's because you guys are just so <laughs> loving. You, you always walk in room, you can see, you know, you guys are holding hands and it, it, the, the spark never, ever, ever died or dimmed with you guys. And you built no, almost as if the community around you that you built the, the, the creative community. You sucked us all into your love. It's, 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 it radiates. It does. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. And I, it's, I, I can't, I don't think I could possibly ask you how you guys did it. I can um, tell you. Oh, do you have an answer? I do. Oh, thank you. Oh, like really? We're looking at maybe 28 years ago. Uh, Barry and I, uh, I used to manage a Remax real estate office in the same building as Barry. Mm-hmm. And so our, our days both started at 8.30, office hours, but we were both there um, before 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we realized really quickly that we're both workaholics. And so I chose to take on uh, the relationship as part of my job duties, mm-hmm. my job description within, within and without Barry is and our relationship is that I would take that on. I would make sure that we never lost each other in work. Um, so Barry was, he was game. He was uh, okay. So if I said, okay, this is how it's going. This is what we're doing. He's like, okay, that's what we're doing. Great. Yeah. 
And so when, when yeah. you're when Donna would say, um, okay, we need a break, need a date night, we need this, and we got a plan for our vacation. Um, my job in that thing was to realize relationship was um, for her to take care of and mine to support. I, I shouldn't be saying date night, come on, we got to get that deal done. Let's, mm -hmm. let's go downstairs in the office and get to work. So, so I had to support that. Donna's in charge. I supported. And um, yeah, that's worked. That's worked it's really a, well, hasn't it? It's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all right. I love that. <laughs> you sink down so much again. I don't know, Donna. I don't know. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This morning, um, so Sunday morning for us is uh, we clean the house. We have a, Donna cooks a wonderful breakfast. I do some cleaning and we just kind of rotate around the house and talk. And I was just sweeping the kitchen floor and I stopped and I, I looked over at her. She was making a beautiful um, salmon omelet. Ooh. And I said, yeah, it was really good too. <laughs> I said, gee, Donna, we're, we're so lucky. Hasn't, hasn't this been a great weekend? We had a romantic dinner last night. We're doing this today. There's this and that. And I said, I just, I'm so happy. So that, that popped out of me this morning to be able to say it and, and you know, really mean it. That was just an hour ago that I did that. So that, that's how we really are. You know, we, we really love each other and we compliment each other. And I, I guess, you know, after 28 years, we, we haven't stopped doing that. And it kind of, we kind of exude that and it's visible, I guess. Everybody sees that in us. You, yeah. you, you, when we look at you, it's like you're living your beliefs. You've got the dream house that you guys want. You got your cute little house. You got your nook that you, you do your, your podcasts and, and, and the webinars. And, and you know, you got the, the garden, the, the garden <laughs> and you're making grape jelly. And so, like, what kind of, you talked about Sunday mornings. What other routines do you guys have? Do you guys have routines that kind of, that, that help you guys stay on track with your business and with your investing, et cetera? Saturday mornings. Saturday morning, yeah. Latte and read the newspaper. We, the real physical newspaper. We go to the Italian Center, the original Italian Center on 95th Street and 109th Avenue, where um, where we kind of know everybody that's there because they're all there on Saturday mornings. And we, we go and we sit and we have a cafe latte and I read the Globe and Mail. Uh, no, we read the journal. We, re we actually read the Edmonton Journal, yeah. which little segue here. I was in an Uber the other day and I had a paper and I was reading it in, in the back seat. And the Uber guy said, I've done 4,500 trips and you're the first person who's ever read a newspaper in my <laughs> <by> Uber. <laughs> uh, so, um, not people don't read newspapers, you know, that much. Um, so we, part of why we're talking about that Saturday morning is it's, is it's it grounding. something it's grounding and it's kind of reserved for what we like to do on a Saturday morning, which leads me into uh, something that I think we're better at now. And that is uh, as much as real estate and our business might be in our brain all the time. It's hard on, it's hard on the other person. If you keep chirping about this thing and that thing and some other thing. And so the, the real estate business is never turned off so that you never have, a personal side of life where where real estate or your business whatever it is is not impinging into personal so um, we now are way better at um, not talking real estate all the time we make our lists of things that need to be done we sit and have meetings about 
who's doing what. But uh, if that's not the part we're working on right now, then we leave that alone so that every waking moment isn't taken up with real estate because that mushes everything together and you never really get sort of downtime and personal time. So we separate it uh, way better than we used to. And I think that's improved um, improved our relationship because we're not always kind of on edge about what's next. We've, we've done really well with that too because uh, yeah, after 5 p.m., it's, it's not healthy for your family or for your relationship to yeah. continue bringing those things yeah, in. There you go, after five, that's a good thing to do. So. Wayne struggles with it more than I do. Sometimes at the dinner table, I have to remind him I'm that sure. this is family time, not real estate time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure Barry can understand too because the amount of like crazy things you've got going on at work, like you can't let that seep in. You can't come home and be like, Donna, Wayne sent me another complicated deal. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, you have to turn it off and, mm-hmm. and separate it out and give your give your real estate brain a rest and let your family brain have its its suitable due time and re- and really, you know, keep that part of it separate and, and give each give each aspect of your life uh, its own slot and don't don't let them overlap. Too mm-hmm. So I want to I want to get back to I want to rewind back to the creative strategies um, and not to put you too much on the spot. But do you mind kind of sharing uh, for the audience uh, what kind of strategies you teach? Um, whether, you know, I guess you teach a lot, but let's say if they were going to, to go to a rapid cash program, for example, a rapid cash weekend, what kind of strategies do you teach? And would you mind kind of touching on what each of them are? Mike, All right, I will do that as soon as Donna says something. No, agreements for sale. Oh, I yeah. was going to start. Oh, Sorry, you're just numbering them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was ready to up. go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, um, there's, I think, five or six strategies. The first one is uh, called agreements for sale. Mm-hmm. That's a form of seller financing where you're able to buy a property uh, mm-hmm. from a seller where the seller stays on title, but the seller really is your bank. Uh, it's useful because uh, you don't have to go to another bank and get uh, apply for and get approved for financing. Uh, it's useful because you can often help folks who can't sell their property um, with a way to move along in their lives. So uh, it's, it's quite useful in today's Alberta economy. Uh, there's lots of uh, agreements for sale done where there's little or no money put up, but there's also lots of other ones where you can help a seller and he has substantial equity in his property. So that's been very popular. That's agreements for sale or AFS as we call it. Mm-hmm. What's number two, Donna? Rent to own. Rent to own, otherwise known as lease options. There's a ton of people out there who want to be homeowners but for one reason or another, they can't go to the bank, get a mortgage and buy their own property. So reasons for people not to be able to buy is um, sometimes it's around uh, credit issues, but there are a lot of other issues that prevent people from getting a mortgage like uh, they have a new job, they're divorced, they're new Canadians, they just can't save for a down payment. There's a ton of reasons why folks can't get a mortgage, but they want to have a house and they want to be in an ownership position. Mm-hmm. So rent to own is a very useful strategy. Uh, it's also a way to exit other strategies. For instance, if you buy a property by way of an agreement for sale, and now you're in control of the property, you might want to exit that property by selling it to somebody on a rent to own basis. So rent to own, very popular. Um, next one would be... Fix and flip and BRRR. <laughs> BRRR. <laughs> BRRR. 
<laughs> uh, fix and flip is a, is a popular strategy worldwide. You can go anywhere in the world and say to someone, uh, what do you know about fix and flip? And chances are they'll be able to talk to you in words that you'll understand. But fix and flip is, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of that strategy that I think is more or less known to, to lots and lots of people. And they, they have a vision of buying a house for 10 cents and putting uh, paint and carpet in it and then selling it for $300,000. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a mythological strategy to some extent, mm -hmm. but um, fix and flip is, uh, is a great way to make money uh, as long as, and the, the primary thing with fix and flip is you have to, you have to know your numbers. You have to buy well, you have to pay um, little enough for the property when you start so that you've got room to do your improvements, allow for all the things that you don't know about when you start and then sell the property and pay all your marketing expenses and actually put some money in your jeans. So right. like all strategies, uh, execution is important, but uh, fix and flip is, uh, is a really interesting strategy because if you uh, acquire a property by way, um, if you acquire it and your plan is to fix and flip it, you can change your mind mm -hmm. because you don't have to fix it and sell it. You could fix it and refinance it if you can now get a mortgage that works and keep that property uh, in your own portfolio. You could, uh, you could do a rent to own on it. You could do a joint venture on it. You know, once you've improved it to the point where it's a nice positive cash flow property, uh, you can show a, uh, an investor who has uh, money but no time how they can um, probably give you back all the money you put in and get a half interest in a positive cash flowing property. So mm -hmm. fix and flip is, has got lots of aspects to it, I would say. Next one, options. Options. I like options. A lot of people don't like options. I like options. Donna <laughs> likes options and an option. I always keep my options open. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me <laughs> Uh oh, she's trying to tell me something. She's going to do it on like national oh, television. The juicy it's stuff. National television. Oh my god. Um, an option is a really simple, simple concept. An, an option is a situation where you get control of a property, and you an option is the right to buy a property at a specific price within a specific period of time. Right. So. Really, it's controlling a property and giving yourself a chance to do something with it. Uh, it's useful. It's really useful in giant commercial operations. I'm pretty sure Daryl Cates here in Edmonton, um, when he was developing the ice district, got his folks to go out and get options on uh, all of, not all of, many of the chunks of land that now compose the ice district, mm -hmm. where he would say, I get to buy for this amount um, in this time period, but I don't have to buy. So if he, if he wasn't able to get all the pieces of property under control that he wanted to, then he didn't buy them. So, And he uh, paid a premium for that, right? You pay a premium for that, for sure. You, you buy an option, um, and that's a, that's a really interesting part of the negotiation in an option. Um, you go to somebody and, and say, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to buy your property, for instance, but I'm not sure if I can get the kind of zoning that I need. So now we're back from commercial to the retail level. Right. So 
let's say that uh, we're buying a duplex and we want to be able to get a permit to turn it into a legal fourplex. And that's a fairly new um, thing that you can do here in Edmonton. You're not quite sure. So you say, listen, I'd like to get an option uh, to buy your property. I'll give you $5,000 and I want the right to buy this property for $400,000 and I need six months. So if somebody agrees to that, you pass over your $5,000 or 500 or $500 or $5. It can be any matter. That's, that's part of the, that's well, part of the that's negotiating, isn't it? Like, isn't it? like you can, you can, $1. you can buy an interest in a property or get control of a property yeah. for a very small amount. It doesn't sure. have to be. It doesn't have to be a big amount, but I don't like to, I don't like to push that too hard because um, a seller who knows what he's doing would say, Donna, you, you, are you trying to say you want to give me $5 and control my property for the next well, six months? Is that what you're well, saying? I'm willing to go 50. I'm, I mean, I don't mean to go 50. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. 50 bucks. Okay, well. Well, well how about I will give you $500, but you can also still try to sell it. And if you can find someone to buy it, then we're good. But if, if I find it, then we can do that. So, op that? no, that would work really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or could I assign my option? Yes. Oh, you know, this is so much like wholesaling. <laughs> yes, that leads us into, so options are, are an interesting <laughs> strategy. Uh, folks often think you have to write a, you have to write an offer to purchase to get control of a property, but you don't. Right. Options are a way to do that. And um, eh, they're, they're they're not used a whole bunch right now, but there's they certainly are well known and they're simple and I think they could be used more in the creative investing world. Which brings us to, as you said, assignments and wholesaling. Wholesaling. Mm -hmm. Wholesaling is uh, kind of like fix and flip. You want to acquire a property uh, undervalued. So you want to acquire property undervalued and then sell your interest in that property before you close on it. So the first part is, is uh, learning how to find undervalued properties. The next part is then finding someone to take that property off your hands um, and pay you some money for doing it. Right. So that is, uh, that is a very useful strategy, uh, especially for people who are uh, heavily involved in real estate, who do marketing, and who have a number of opportunities come past them. And often you can't take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way, but that would be a good opportunity for somebody else. So if something comes your way and, and you can get it under control and sell it to somebody else and to make five or $10,000 and they in turn can make money and they're happy, then uh, that's a really useful, useful strategy. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the subject of our next focus workshop on uh, May the 16th, May the 16th, 2020. And lastly, um, I think it's joint ventures. I think that's strategy number six and joint ventures really apply to every one of those previous five strategies. If you need money to do something with the strategy and you can find somebody who has money and no time and no interest in learning how, then you can take any one of those strategies and, and work with the person who has money to give them a piece of your strategy, and then you can share the profits. So there's the six. Wow. 
you know, when I started teaching them, we, I say we, uh, we, we these strategies separate and apart. And it was only in the last few years where we started to go, okay, so let's mix and match. Let's, mm. let's combine these as an mm -hmm. AFS entrance with a, a joint venture and an RTO exit and, and getting all creative. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it makes it pretty exciting, but overwhelming too. Yeah. Yes, so. it is. It's a quite amazing where it's gotten to. So that, so, so that really there's a suite of creative strategies yeah. that that all yeah they're all very complementary and now um, what we're finding is is that most of our students are employing a, at least a couple of the strategies where before they might have been just doing fix and flip now they understand how how those various strategies fit together and it's much more complementary and I've sunk down in my seat yet again. <laughs> Why can't sit up? <laughs> and, and you guys, you guys didn't even touch on VTB too, as well. It's another one. Like, there's, there's so many cool strategies. I love it, and and I just, I, I try and think back to like when I was first thinking about real estate investing. And I'm like, I'm gonna buy this house. I'm gonna put a renter in it, and they're gonna pay my mortgage. They're gonna pay it off. It was just so simple. And then you look at all these different cool things you can do. And now, like, you know, we got an offer on a, a townhouse right now. And me, I'm looking at them like, okay, I'm gonna do this, this, this. If this doesn't go through, I'm gonna RTO and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we sell it finance, sell it. And I have all these like <laughs> different cool strategies. And I love it because I love terms. I don't like focusing on price. You know what I mean? I like, you know, I like making it a win win as much as possible. And a lot of people just focus on the price. And then introducing terms and options and, and opportunities, it, uh, it, it really complements that win win. I think everyone's initial um, reaction to getting involved in real estate, it's price that's important. And so you know that, or you like terms, but I, I think one of, the, one of the sidebar explanations of why it isn't just price is if you're just talking price, that's a cold analytical, uh, what else can you talk about if you're just trying to beat somebody up on the pricing side of it? Right. But if you're talking terms, then you can dig into their why, what's going on with them, what do they really need, what do you need, and you can start working all of those terms uh, and price into the into the whole conversation. That's it's way easier to come to a win-win, which I know you guys believe in, and we certainly teach and believe in that. Mm -hmm. That if if you can get to a spot where everybody can clearly see it's a win-win, then there's where you want to get to. And it's really hard to do that when you just talk price. Yeah, for sure. Because it's true. almost as if someone always feels like they're getting screwed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whoever made that last offer, whoever accepts that offer. Mm -hmm. I um, Yeah, and, and I absolutely love the creative strategies. Maybe that's just me. I, I'm a creative person. I've met a lot of really cool creative people in the community ever since you know we started doing these things. People that are doing some amazing stuff. Are, aren't they awesome? Some oh. of the stuff going on, it's thrilling. Yeah. Yes. And they set the bar so high and I, and I, I, you know, I just want to, I just want to push and get to their level. <laughs> um, and, and the other reason why I really love these the strategies and the courses that you guys put on is because I have this, I have this belief um, and it's probably not a popular opinion, uh, but I'm not a big fan of investors, new investors going directly to finding joint venture partners. Like, 
like I, I truly believe that like you need to prove yourself first. And most new investors, they don't have 60, 100, $200,000 sitting in the bank, right? And that's the way we looked at this when we took that first course, because that mentality of low money, no money down, get into properties, rent to own, um, wholesaling, those kind of things, agreement for sales. We could get acquire properties and acquire rapid cash to start building it up on our own, build up a business, build up reputation, and then earn the right to go to someone and say, would you please invest money with me? Right. So. I love that you guys, I think what I love the most about it is that you guys make it so easy to understand because it's, it's, it's really, it's really overwhelming the strategies at first, but you guys make it really easy to understand. And the community is, is so supportive mm -hmm. in helping out newbies. And that's ultimately, ultimately why we love helping out the community as much as possible too. Whenever there's any questions we try and answer, because I really believe that these strategies are green for sale, rent own, wholesaling. I think that every investor should start with them. I know they're complicated, but you guys have built a community of, of you know, supportive people that, that kind of offset that risk. And I really think that people should be doing more green for sales early on. I think that, I think you should totally earn your rights in order to ask for joint venture money. I'm not going to ask you to agree with that because there's a lot of people that say <laughs> that are pro joint venture in the beginning. Well, we talk about that with all of our, all of the strategies that we teach is that we really think that you should have a strong, basic understanding of mm. real estate. And it was, you know, for example, we would say you should at least do three buy and hold transactions so that you, you understand the process already. Um, have a little bit of history so that you can make these strategies relate to your own personal experiences um, right from how you would find them how you would negotiate them right so that well it's yes i mean three is is kind of an ideal number the first one is killer as we all know doing that first deal whatever first the deal is deal, yeah. first damn deal is a hard one to do but the next one's half as hard and then by the time you do your third one you're on to analysis and and really, instead of being so freaked out, you can't barely sleep. You're, you know, you can, you can really get into the specifics of the deal. And then, Wayne, as you say, you can you can talk to a money partner uh, yeah. with some confidence that you know what you're talking about, and that you're not going to, you're not going to put them into a deal where you're learning on their dollar. And yeah. I mean, none of us want to do that. My goodness. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm really with you. I, I don't want anybody starting out um, in real estate and saying, okay, I've got no money. I'm just going to do joint ventures. So let's, let's just start with that. Go find someone to give me $100,000 and I'll just learn as I go. Your first deal is never your best deal. <laughs> no. So I, yeah, we're, we're definitely aligned on that concept. And wholesaling, you know, is a great example. It's a great way to start building up money because like you said, three properties, that's a lot of money for down payments. Yeah. And you know, I get so many people that come up to me, whether it be after, you know, your courses or just in general, and they say, okay, you know, I want to get that first property. What should I do? I don't really have a good answer for them because that entry, that buy-in for real estate investing is high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, and you got, and you got to stay within, the, you know, stay out of that gray area too. You don't want to be doing anything that's, that's illegal in order to acquire that first property for less money down. So, you know, I think that getting no <laughs> <So> illegal <What's> that? <laughs> or your second property, you don't want to do anything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You see so many people just trying to, to work around mortgage rules in order to get in for less money. You don't want to be telling people to do that. 
No. So I think wholesaling um, is a great way to get started to start building up cash, fast cash, right? Or rent to owns, for example. Um, as long as you do the education. Yes, of course. It's important to understand because the, the, the risks and the, the, the messes you can get yourself into on any of these, if you don't understand, is yeah it's big but if you know if, if somebody's prepared to put in the time and and say um learn how wholesaling and assignments work that is one that um with not a huge amount of effort you can understand it and go out and and there are you know there's rules and procedures to follow that will keep you from hurting yourself right. uh, and plus you can practice i mean yes. you can practice doing things without again without getting yourself in trouble so that's assignments wholesaling are a good way for people to to get going in real estate when they don't have twenty uh, percent to put down on a property. Uh, you can make some really good money, really good money in wholesaling too. The stories that I've heard about people making ten, fifteen thousand dollars per deal—it's a really system-based um, strategy, though. You really have to have things, whether it be your bandit signs, whether it be your website, you have to have people coming in and bringing you leads and analyzing. I like the fact that, you know, that people, you gotta, you gotta really put the work in for wholesaling. You know, if you don't have money, you gotta, you're gonna have to put some serious time into it, but you can make some really good money with wholesaling. In a sense. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys, you got your course up in May, May 16th. What are you guys focusing on for, for the wholesaling course? Is it that? So what's, what's it going to be broken into? Uh, so wholesaling up till this point has been probably a, maybe a two-hour segment in the rapid cash program. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it has been um, kind of a broad brushstroke um, approach just because you could spend probably two days on each of the five or six things we teach. And there isn't, there is only two days, so you, you can't spend that much time. Right. But for, for assignments and wholesaling, this go round, we want to get into way more of the specifics of what happens, way more uh, exercises, way more having panels of people that have done assignments, uh, way more talking about how do you actually talk to the person you're looking to buy from. So it's a much deeper dig into um, all of the aspects of assignments that we just haven't had time to properly treat before. That's mm -hmm. kind of my vision of it. Donna, what do you say? Yeah, we have some stuff that's brand new that we're, we're still fleshing out. That'll be very cool. Be very yeah. Cool. Some, some system stuff, some, uh, mm, I don't know. I don't want to give it away. <laughs> New stuff. New, oh yeah, it might be. <laughs> it's, it's very, we, you know, it would be so easy to just take last year's manual and just do it again. But for right. some reason, it's like we rebuild it every time yeah. and, and expand and yeah. Don't get yeah, me started. We, I mean, we want to, we want to spend a bit more time on how you can do multiple deals. We're not quite sure where we're going with that part of it. I mean, it could be a business. Assignments could be, could be just what you do. You build that, you build your systems and build your network and, and build your procedures and you just, you just get control of properties and you spit them out to your network and you, you grab those five or 10 or $15,000 as each deal goes by you and you move on to the next one. So uh, I mean, I think there's a possibility for people to do assignments to that extent. 
I don't know if we're going to um, get into it in that much detail, but I see that as a specific business that people could do if they chose to really, really focus on uh, wholesaling and assignments. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's never something that I really got into. I, I, I went directly from joint ventures to agreement for sales and fix and flip, but I've always been really interested in it. Um, but you're right. You know, if you were to build a business around it, treat it like a business, have leads coming in and, and have a network of people who are looking to buy, you could, that's, you can make a really, really good profitable business off of that. Right, Everly? Everly. <laughs> Everly's been, our daughter has been, uh, she's been very patient. This is the first time I've had an interview with her in the house. And she's been very what a good she's girl. wonderful. Yeah, what a sweetie. <laughs> Calm and quiet and sweet, mushy, snuggly. And she's always been, you've always wanted to be on the podcast, eh? Hi. <laughs> it's your chance to say hi. Now turn it off. Hi, <laughs> sweetie. Well, you know what? Um, super excited about the the wholesaling uh, course in May. Uh, you're right. Like I, the reason why we keep coming back to them is because they're never the same. And you know, some people have said to me like, "Oh, I already went to the AFS course." I'm like, but they're doing it this way this time. Like, there's going to be more. There's more stories. There's more examples. There's always more investors yeah. doing more creative deals, and and that's that's ultimately how you learn. You stay up to date on it. So. We're super excited about that. And um, Barry, Donna, I, I, I want to truly thank you for, for everything that you do for the community, what you've done for us. Uh, we would not be where we are without you. And we want to thank you for your continuous support. Yes. You're more than welcome and, and just right back at you. I mean, what we need are folks just like you who who see the vision and take to it the way you've done because I mean, what's is this not win-win? This is, is It's just great. I love it. I, I love the win-win mantra. <laughs> um, again, thank you very much. Uh, if anyone is interested in your course or Tales in the Trenches, or do you want to tell people how to, to get a hold of you, uh, how to find you and, and find your information? So easy. Go ahead, Donna. G-O-O-G-L-E. <laughs> no, well, barrymaguire.ca. It's right there. All lowercase, B-A-R-R-Y-M-C-G. Oh, does it say it right there? Look, it does. It says right there. BarryMcGuire.ca. Yeah, if you go there, um, there's a spot to tell you about lots of things we do, including our upcoming wholesaling assignments course uh, on May 16th. And if you do like I do, grab all those tails from the trenches, throw them on a jump drive, give them to your wife or your husband, and uh, and go from there. That's how you get started. Okay. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you again, guys. I really appreciate right. it. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye, Everly. Bye, Everly. Bye. <laughs>